0: Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Like a bunch of resolutions last year that none of them got accomplished. This year, I'm like, I'm going to stick with one, maybe two. We'll see what happens. But today we're going to look at some scripture that's going to help guide us um, to making, I think, some solid resolutions, if you will, in 2020. So I want to tell you a story before we before we jump into our scripture. This past summer, I don't know what compelled me, but I decided I was going to run a half marathon. I'm not a runner. I'm not built for running. I played sports in high school, but they always kept me closest to the goal so I could just get the ball and shoot. Like I'm very slow, so much so... When I was young, my nickname was Slothy. Slothy. Not because I was lazy. Maybe when I was a teenager, I was lazy. But because I just moved slow. I take my time. I I went for a walk with some friends the other day, and I realized, wow, either I'm really slow or they're walking really fast, but I think I'm really slow. And so I'm not a runner. Something in me said, let's run a half marathon. I said, okay. So I reached out to a friend of mine who runs marathons like every other weekend. I said, will you run with me? Help me train. I don't know what I'm doing, but I can't do this alone. And he agreed, which week one, I think he regretted agreeing because (laughs) we're running week one, one mile. And he was like, okay, so I see how this summer is going to go. Luckily, we have six months to train for half marathon. And if you uh, are running, you know that six months is way too long to train for a half marathon. You should be able to train in like six weeks, I think. But it's okay. We enjoyed it. We enjoyed our time together. But it was exciting because after the six months, I was to a place where I said, well, I think I might actually be able to run a half marathon. I think I could do it. A weekend of the race comes, and I'm I'm nervous and I'm excited. And I, it was on a Sunday, so I was like, I'm taking off church. I'm gonna go run this race, and it's gonna be epic. And then they canceled the race. I was so disappointed. I said, Forget it. I'm never running again. I've ran two 5Ks since then, but other than that, I haven't run. I was just, I was so upset. I was disappointed, a little bitter about it. So I was like, I'm writing this off. We're done with running except for I think I get a free pass for next year, so I'm going to put it in my 2020 resolutions to try and train for half marathon part two this summer. (laughs) We'll see how it goes. How many of you in here have resolutions already set out for 2020? Okay, a few of you. Well, hopefully I'm going to give us some time today to think and reflect on our, on our lives and maybe give you the opportunity to plan some goals for this upcoming year. And so we're going to look at some scripture today in Hebrews that I think will help us get started on this process of reflecting and planning ahead. And so Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, if you all want to read this with me, I would love that. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. God, I thank you that your presence dwells in this room May you speak to our hearts and our minds today, God. I ask that for the next few minutes, you just use me to say what it is you have to say to your people. Jesus, we love you so much, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, let me give you a little background on the book of Hebrews, of what we do know. So we don't really know who the author is. There's been some debate for many, 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 many years of who this author is. It could be Paul. It could be another disciple. So we're just going to refer to the author of this book as the author of Hebrews today. The group that he's writing to, or this author is writing to, is a group of Christians. And we can tell by the writing that he's put in this letter that they've been experiencing some persecution They're kind of getting ready to maybe give up or walk away from their faith. They've seen many trials. But we do know that they are Christians, that they're probably pretty well read on Old Testament. The author or the writer assumes that they're able to understand all of the things he's referencing in the Old Testament in this letter. And so we can assume that these group of Christians know their Bible but are facing some hard times and are ready to kind of give up and walk away. And so the writer writes this passage to them, and we're going to break it down a little bit. And so he's writing this this passage, and he is referring to their faith journey as running a race. But he tells them to throw off everything that hinders. And here hinder means something that's weighing you down, something really heavy that you're carrying, a mass, a weight. And he tells them to throw it off. Right? And so if you think about my marathon training this past summer, I went out because I was like, I need all the help that I can get. And so I'm going to go out and I'm going to get really cute outfits because that's going to help me run better, right? And really cute shoes. But I went out and I bought clothing that was going to be fit for summer that was going to help me run my race better. I didn't go out and buy sweatshirts and hoodies because that was just going to add extra weight, extra heat. It was going to make me tired, sluggish, and eventually slow down to the point where I wouldn't want to run the race anymore. It'd be too heavy. It'd be too much. So this is what the author is saying to these Christians that are carrying around these hindrances that are weighing them down. Maybe it's hurts from family or friends, disappointments. Unmet expectations they had about something. Maybe it was doubts about, is Jesus even worth it? We're facing all this hard stuff. Is it even worth it? Maybe they were striving to be perfect Christians, and they were failing, and they were just feeling the weight of trying to be perfect. And so he tells them, throw off these heavy weights. Throw off these hindrances. And then he says, and the sin that so easily entangles, you see, he distinguishes between things that are hindering and things that are sin, because the things I just named before aren't necessarily sins. They're not necessarily sinning against God or other people. They're just things that are weighing us down, things we're holding on to carrying that weigh us down. But he he goes further and says, and the sin that so easily entangles. And he doesn't name a specific sin. Right? He's very general with these with this statement. And so... I think he says this because he wants us to know that all sin, regardless of what it is, will entangle, will trip us up. And so maybe this group of people, they were caught being entangled in gossip or lying, stealing. Maybe they were found caught unfaithful. But as I was reading this, I was really interested in that word entangles, getting tripped up, getting tied around because... This, this image is so powerful. Not only are these people being weighed down, it's hard to walk, but they're also now all tangled up. And when I was looking into this word a little bit more, it means to skillfully surround. Right? And when I hear skillfully surround, I think of maybe the military skillfully surrounding their target. But what I think is interesting about that is skillfully surround means whatever is surrounding you or these people knows what it's doing. It has to do so skillfully. And it's kind of creeps me out, to be honest. And I'm reading through, and all of a sudden I get this image. And if you know me, I don't I don't really watch movies, and so I must have really been like traumatized by this movie as a kid, because this image came as clear as day to me. As I was reading it, it's from the jungle book. I think I have a picture of I don't know what's his name? Blue, maybe? No, I think that's the bear. But he is entangled by this snake. And how creepy is that? And so as I'm reading this, being entangled by sin, this image comes to mind, and now I'm thinking, oh, gosh, I want nothing to do being entangled by a creepy snake. And fun fact, as I was looking up, because then I spent, you know, time watching videos of this, the voice of the snake is also the voice of Pooh Bear, which might be why it traumatized me so much, because I'm thinking, like, oh, gosh, this snake ate Pooh Bear. Anyway, (laughs) but imagine trying to run a race, carrying a heavy weight, being all entangled. It'd be nearly impossible. And I'm sure, though, some of us in this room are feeling just that, right? We're feeling weighed down, feeling tangled up. Like we kind of just want to throw in the towel and quit. Maybe it's the weight of relationships. Maybe we look at the news a little too much and it's the weight of the world happening around us, pressures at work, or we're just entangled in our own sinfulness. But we're feeling ready to give up. It's too hard. It's too heavy. You want to quit, just like these Christians the author was writing to. But good news, guys, you're not alone if you're feeling that way. Because clearly this author was writing to a group of people that were experiencing the same feelings. Otherwise he wouldn't say, throw off the things that hinder and the sin that so easily entangles. If other people weren't experiencing it, there would be no need to say that. And so you're not alone if you're feeling that way. And as I was reading through this, I, I read through Hebrews and I think I've passed over it so many times without really looking into it. But in this scripture, it's it's written in plural tense. You see, all throughout it, if we could put it back on the screen, that'd be great. You see, the author says, we have a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders. Let us run. Fix our eyes on Jesus. And so although we have our own race to run, we're all running to claim our own prize from Jesus, we're not alone in the race. right? The author doesn't just say, well, you need to throw off your sin. No, he includes himself in it. It's all of us running together towards the same end goal. See, as I was training for this marathon, I got to a point where I was, I was feeling pretty good about myself. So I was like, I'm going to invite some of my friends to come run with me. Uh, in the morning, we'll run along the beach. it was a longer run and I was like, so impressed by my running skills and we're running and it was great and we're just enjoying our time and then all of a sudden we probably get five blocks from the car and they just take off and they sprint and I'm back here and I'm I'm not even gonna finish or then I'm like, I'm just gonna run past them. I was so mad it wasn't my best moment but, I was like, I invited you to run with me, and you left me alone by myself. So then I said, I'm not going to invite them anymore. That was, you know, that was a mistake. Well, I did. I invited them again, and I was like, maybe they've learned their lesson, and they're not going to leave me. They did again. I was like, oh, man, I need to learn my lesson. But I forgave them because, you know, grace and all. And, <laughs> and so in October, we ran a 5K together, the same group of friends, and we're running, and of course, I expected it this time, so I was prepared to not get heartbroken as they left me in the dust. They run off, and I'm running, and I'm like, okay, it's okay. I'm alone, but it's okay. But then I looked up, and I realized, wait, there's like hundreds of people running around me. I'm not alone. They're just a little bit farther ahead than I am. And you know what was the best part about that, even though they ran so fast and made personal records, and they're at the end, and they're waiting, and they're cheering for me. So much so that other people around them are cheering for me, and they didn't even know me. Right? And I think sometimes we can get caught up, entangled in our own sin, that we forget that the people that are running ahead of us, they're not trying to, to beat us. They're not better than us. They're just a few steps ahead of us, cheering us on. And so be encouraged you're not alone in this race. We've all got our own race to run. We fix our eyes on Jesus in our own lane, but we're, we're in the company of other runners. And so don't be discouraged. And so what I want to do today, as you can see, I have a prop up here. We're going to get creative because I want to talk about for the next few minutes What are some things in your life that are hindering you or entangling you that you need to throw off or lay aside in 2019? So my question for you today is what do you need to leave behind? And so on the back of your worship guides, they should be blank. We're going to draw. Please do not judge me for my art skills because I'm not an artist. But what I would like you to do is draw two big rectangles on. You can get as fancy with it as you want. You can be as plain and simple as you like. Two big rectangles. And then on the first box, you can label it as 2019. And I want you to draw a little lock on it. I don't think that that's a good lock. So if that's what your lock looks like, it's good. And this is our box for 2019 of the things we're going to put in it that are hindering us or entangling us that we're going to lock in the box and shove under our bed in our house and leave at home. And this is going to take some vulnerability, maybe some honesty on your part, right? We don't like to think about or talk about the ugly parts of our hearts. But in order to leave them in the box, we have to acknowledge them. And so no one's going to peek, right? This is a safe place for everyone, so no one's going to lean over and see what you're writing. I was a teacher last year, so I've got eyes. I will watch you all. If you cheat, be sent out. And so I want you to take a few minutes and write on in your box for 2019 some things that you need to leave behind. So I'm going to do it with you guys. Once you all have identified some of the things you want to leave in your box, you might need to follow up and take a few extra steps depending on what they are. So maybe you need to go and confess something that you've done to someone that hurt them and ask for their forgiveness. Maybe you need to forgive someone who's hurt you. Maybe you need to go confess to God and ask forgiveness for for your own sinful ways. But before you can leave some of these things in this lockbox, you might have to take a few extra steps that are going to be hard and they're going to be challenging, but they're going to lead to freedom. right? When we ask for forgiveness or we seek forgiveness, we don't always find reconciliation with the other person, but we will always find freedom. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness if we want to leave all of these unrighteous things in our box of 2019 confess and ask god forgiveness and he'll wipe it clean he'll help take that weight off our shoulders and leave it in that box and so i want to encourage you before you enter into 2020 seek peace and ask forgiveness as challenging as it may be, because it will lead to being able to walk into the new year with freedom. And so once we've identified and thrown off the things that are hindering us, laid them aside, the author of Hebrews then provides us helpful direction on what to do after that. Verse 2 says to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer or author and perfecter of Of our faith. The author calls Jesus by two different names here pioneer or author, which means chief leader. He's gone ahead of us, he's leading the way in this race. He's the one we're chasing after. He's cleared the way for us, he's made a clear path that we can run towards. And the perfecter of our faith, which means that Jesus has accomplished what we could never accomplish on our own that when he died and he resurrected, that victory over death and sin is his and ours. Without him, we wouldn't be able to have the victory. We wouldn't be able to achieve the prize at the end of this race. And so Jesus, as the author and perfecter of our faith, he's gone before us and he's claimed the victory, and the victory is ours. And so we can run with freedom. We can run with joy knowing victory is already ours. And so... Although victory is already ours, and we can run with freedom, and we can run with joy, maybe we're thinking, well, that's great. I'm going to just stroll down the path. Why run? Well, we're invited. We're invited to chase after Jesus. Don't you want to be close to Jesus? Don't you want to be closer like him? And so when, when the writer of this says to throw off all things and run after Jesus, Run after the prize that's already ours, with effort, with excitement. And so we get to partake in this race, where we already have the victory. Paul writes in Philippians 3:13 through14. He says, "Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying here is he's saying, I acknowledge that I'm still a work in progress. I acknowledge that I haven't arrived yet, but I'm going to forget what's behind. I'm going to forget the hurts of 2019. I'm going to leave them in the box. And we know that Paul probably has a whole big lockbox full of things of his past, right? But he's not going to let that slow him down. He's going to strain toward what's ahead. He's going to run hard after the prize that he's already been given. Each mile Paul runs, he's running to take steps that will allow him to look more like Jesus. He's running... To be more Christ-like. And we're invited. We are called to do the same. And so you're thinking, well, that's great. I'm, I'm running towards Jesus. I'm running towards this prize that I've already been given. But what does that look like? How do I do that? Well, Paul writes to Timothy, who I feel is like a kindred spirit of mine. I love, I love little Timothy. He writes to Timothy in First in 1 Timothy six, eleven through twelve. But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. The seven verses prior to this talk a little bit about some things that. Timothy is to flee from. Some things he could leave in his lockbox of 2019. And so if you had a hard time coming up with some things, jot that down and maybe go back and see if there are some things you can relate with, things that you could flee from. But here's Paul, someone who's a little farther along in his race than Timothy, calling back to Timothy. Hey, Timothy, run this way. This is the way to the prize. Don't run back to your old ways. Don't run to what's evil, run to what's good. Run ahead. Follow after me as I follow after Jesus. And he lists some virtues for Timothy to run after, for Timothy to pursue that will help with his character development, help maintain his character, help make him look more like Jesus. And this is the same call to us. Right, he lists righteousness, which describes a life of integrity. And if you remember, a few weeks ago, we've been going through the Christmas series talking about the different people played roles in this. And this same word, righteousness, here, that describes a life of integrity was used to describe Zacharias and Elizabeth's life. He lists godliness or holiness, a reverence for God. Faith, which refers to doctrine of belief or quality of the relationship Timothy has with Jesus. Timothy, pursue your faith. Chase after your relationship with Jesus. Grow it, deepen it. Pursue Jesus. Love, endurance, gentleness. And then in Paul's second letter to Timothy, he again instructs him things to flee from and things to pursue. And I don't know about you, but I feel in good company when I hear that. If Timothy has to be reminded a few times of what to run away from and what to run to, then when I trip and fall and stumble, knowing that Timothy had to be reminded, it's okay, I have to be reminded too. And so it's okay if time and time again we feel like, I just am not getting it. We're in good company. Christians of years past have been reminded many times, run from what's evil and pursue what is good. And so, I want to give you guys now a few minutes. We've reflected on 2019, reflected on the things that we want to leave in our lockbox under our bed. I've given you a few ideas, maybe, this list of virtues. We're going to think about what we want to put in this box. And can anybody guess what this box is going to be? 2020, yes. If you're on Facebook, Tim gave it away, though. We're packing our bags We're taking a trip into 2020, so it's going to be a suitcase. So I want you to think for a few minutes, what are some things, maybe it's just one thing, maybe it's 10, that you want to put in your suitcase to take into and pursue in 2020? A few of you are writing, a few of you are staring at me. That was always the most awkward when I was in class t- and kids were supposed to be doing an assignment and like, ha- most of them would be writing and then there'd be a few that were just staring at me. I'm like, what do I do? Do I just stare back? They're, they say they're doing their work, but they're clearly not, I'm not really sure. And I was like, is there something on my face, but I just let them, I just let them do their work and stare at me if they wanted. So. <laughs> But I hope you all have thought about some things you want to put in your in your suitcase for 2020 that you want to bring with you. I think it's really important to take the time to reflect on the past year and kind of plan some goals or plan ahead, even just think about what we want our 2020 to look like. Last night I got the, the chance to hang out with a few girlfriends and we did some like vision boards where you cut out pictures and paste them on and it's what your next year wants to look like and... Um, Before that, we sat and we reflected on 2019, and as I was sitting, and 2019 was a pretty hard year for me. Some pretty tough and challenging things happened. I had a new job. It was just a lot. But as I sat there and I played through the entire year backwards in my brain, the most prominent memories that came to mind were all of the good ones, the fun times I had, taking students to Mexico, getting full-time here, all of the good things. And so um, I want y'all, as you reflect on 2019, even if it's challenging, even if it's hard, my prayer for y'all is that the good always outweighs the bad. And I was super grateful that Jesus did that in my mind last night, because it's so easy to dwell and stay stuck here in 2019. And so as we've declared our things that we want to leave in 2019, and we've packed our bags for 2020. Paul then says to Timothy, great, you know the things you're fleeing from, you know the things you're pursuing, now fight the good fight. Fight the good fight kind of sounds similar to run the race with endurance, right? Both statements suggest a measure of effort on the participants' (laughs) part. The person running the race has to run with endurance, with effort. The person who's fighting the good fight has to fight. Takes commitment. It's going to take hard work. And so what Paul is saying is, yes, you know the things to run from and you know the things to run to, but you're going to have to put in a little work and it's going to be a little bit challenging, but it'll be worth it. And in Hebrews, that author says, Once you've thrown off the things that hinder you and the sin that entangles you, fix your eyes on Jesus. I was talking to a friend yesterday, and we were just talking about our faith and struggling with being consistent in our faith and seeing our faith grow or seeing our faith plateau and what's what's the challenges behind that. And he said, I think it's as simple as where our focus is. And I said, man, you're so right. It's as simple as where our focus is because our focus can be shifted so slightly off to a distraction. It can be shifted off to what's weighing us down. It can be shifted off to what's entangling us. And when we take our eyes, our focus off of Jesus, we're not going to know where to run. And so the author tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the perfect example of all the things that we want to pursue. And so if we keep our focus... Fixed on Jesus, it's going to make it just a little bit easier to run our race. But it's our choice that we've been given. Every day we wake up and we've been given the choice to put in the effort to actively pursue goodness, to actively run away from evil, the hindrances, to throw them off and lay them aside. It's our choice and we get to choose what we want to pursue, and what we want to leave behind. But if you're anything like me, you know that's hard. And maybe January rolls around, or even July, and you're like, man, I'm back here digging up all of these old hurts, all of these old insecurities. I can't seem to get past it. Why, am I not, why have I not arrived here at all of the things I want to pursue in 2020? Right? Maybe you're like me and you want a microwavable faith, is what I call it. It's like, oh, okay, so I've reflected, I've identified that this area of my life is a little out, out of line with scripture, of, out of line of who God wants me to be. I'm going to pop it in the oven and overnight it's going to be fixed, right? That would be a dream. I think, though, that would defeat the purpose of, of the grace of God. And so when we sit there and we think, okay, I've become entangled, I've been weighed down, I've tried to throw it off and I'm back here again, we think, okay, Jesus, I'm fixing my eyes on you and I'm going to trust your timing, I'm going to trust your word and what you say and that I will see growth, right? I have a formula for growth. Because that's what this is, right? We just want to see growth in our lives. We want to see us growing closer to look like the image of Christ. And so this big fancy formula for you, okay? Growth equals Holy Spirit plus time. Right? It's going to take time for us to change and time for us to grow. That's why we have to run with endurance. Because it's going to take time. It's going to take patience on our part. But the Holy Spirit, he's the main ingredient. Because without the Holy Spirit, we won't see lasting change. We won't see deep, eternal change in our hearts and in our lives. And so when we allow the Holy Spirit the place to move and the time he needs to do it in our lives, we'll see change. Romans 12, 2 says that we will be transformed by the renewing of our minds. we allow the Holy Spirit the room... To move in our lives, if we draw close to God, meditate on His Word, pray, communicate with Him, we'll begin to see transformation and change in our lives. I don't know about y'all, that gets me really excited. I'm not going to be stuck in 2019, I'm not going to be the same person I was five years ago as long as I allow the Holy Spirit to move and change and renew my mind and my heart. By God's grace, we can be transformed. It's just going to take a little bit of time. And so I'm going to leave you guys with a final encouragement. It's probably one of my favorite, favorite verses I've found because it speaks to all of this. It speaks to us not having to be perfect. It speaks to us not having to do it all on our own. Speaks to the pressure being taken off and it speaks to the victory being already ours. In Philippians one six, Paul says, Being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Being confident of this, that if we've given our lives to Jesus, the good transforming work has already begun. And it will be completed in God's timing, in God's grace, in God's way, as long as we're seeking after him, as long as we're fixing our eyes on Jesus and running our race, that work that's began in our lives will be brought to completion. That gives me such comfort knowing that. Knowing that no matter how many times I want to open that lockbox of all the ugly parts of my heart, No matter how many times I find myself entangled or weighed down, God promises that the work he's started in me, he will bring to completion. But sometimes it just might not look how I want it to look or when I want to see it come to completion, but but it will, and he will. The journey of faith takes endurance, takes patience, but the prize will be reached, and it's already ours. We just have to run hard after him. And so as we head into 2020, guys, I want to encourage y'all, be excited. God's begun such a good work in you. And when we, when we identify some things that we want to chase after, we chase after them with our whole hearts. And God's going to say, it's okay if you fall down, I'll pick you back up, put you back on that racetrack and keep going. When we chase after Jesus and the prize, the victory, it's already ours. So we can rest assured that we've already run, won the race. We've already got the medal. We're just going to catch up with Jesus. So I want to pray and I'll invite the band back up. Jesus, I thank you so much that that you've gone before us, that you've made the way for us. God, I thank you that no matter how many times we trip and stumble and fall along the way, you're always there to pick us up. That the victory is already ours in your name, Jesus. God, I pray as we head into 2020, we can lay aside the things of the past, the hurts, the disappointments, the rejections, And we can chase after your goodness. We can seek your peace, your righteousness. God, I thank you for who you are. There might be some of you today in this room that wrote down in your suitcase that you want to pursue the virtue of faith? Are you going to pursue your relationship with Jesus in 2020? And I want to give you all the opportunity, if that's you today, if you're saying in 2020 I want to pursue my relationship with Jesus, I would love for you to be bold and raise your hand so I can pray with you. Thank you, God. So, God, we thank you that you offer us a relationship with your son, Jesus. I thank you that when we call on your name, you're there, that you're closer than a brother. So, Father, I pray that as we head into this new year, these friends who want to pursue their faith, God, they are surprised by your goodness this year. That you show up in unexpected ways and you move in mighty ways on their hearts and in their lives. Jesus, we love you. We're here for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.